how good it is to be able to sing your praises, Lord Jesus. Not only that, to be able to sing, to remind ourselves that from the very beginning, from the creation of the world, your plan was us. To love us, to care for us, to die for us. We could sing that. We could sing about the long expected Jesus that we know is already here. That walks with us. That talks with us through scripture and the Holy Spirit. Lord, as we spent a day sharing gifts, gifts that we spent time thinking about and, and procuring and, and wrapping and all the things that went into that, but we, the sharing was the best part of all. Like the candy cane, will you help us to share that most precious gift? It may not always be wrapped neatly or at all, but may we share you. We pray in your holy name. Amen. I love my new glasses because I can really read well, but then I can't see any of you. So that's how I'm going to go. No, I'm just kidding. How many of you guys had a great Christmas? Merry Christmas. Had a great Christmas. And, uh, uh, I do want to uh, do one little thing because I'm dad and I get to. Uh, I do want to wish my daughter a happy 23rd birthday today. So um, I'm sure she will probably run out before the service is over. So good luck getting her. Christmas. We love Christmas, don't we? We have, uh, you know, uh, hopefully the, the, the living room or wherever you had your Christmas is not still, you know, totally trashed with paper and boxes and all of those things. Maybe you cleaned up a little bit, but um, all of those things have kind of, uh, you know, we kind of got through the, um, what's left of, of Christmas dinner is ho hopefully uh, in containers in the refrigerator for you to eat for lunch today, right? Is that, that how that goes? Um, People have gone, they've gone back home. You're maybe traveling today. We get to travel to see um, our grandson um, and our other kids, but mostly our grandson. <laughs> so um, it seems like the crescendo is hit, isn't it? And then it's like, okay, oh, it's done. And we love the stories. We spend a month of Advent preaching and singing and, and telling the stories leading up to that beautiful birth in a messy, nasty, dirty place. We've been reminded of the faith-filled journey that Joseph and Mary undertook. And not just the journey to, to Bethlehem, but everything that came before that, the angel. Can you imagine getting that news? Now, not only that, now you have to go someplace else. But we seldom hear about what happened after Christmas. We hit the crescendo of Christmas and then everything begins to die down. And yet, for Mary and Joseph, it was really just getting started. It was just really ramping up. You're thinking, well, how much more 
baby being born and angels and magi and all the things. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at the story from the, the mind of Joseph. We don't always think of Joseph as a very important character. We don't hear much about him. Scripture doesn't record a word that he says. And yet, in this story, he's central. He's central in the things that, that God is doing through that new family. If you would take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2. And let's stand as we read the word of God this morning. I'm going to start in verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took his child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I will call my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. When he was through, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judah, Judea in a place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and he lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would be called a Nazarene. Lord, may your word come alive in our hearts and our minds this morning. May your Holy Spirit quicken us to hear what you have to say. We pray in your holy name. Amen. You may be seated. So we have the picture, right? Mary and Joseph, you know, they get these gifts. They've just opened the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh and woohoo, all right. But the importance, I think the... The, the, it is important because the story of Emmanuel didn't just start at the manger. The story, as we know, started before the foundations of the world. But today I want us to understand that just as Jesus started his journey to the cross, so we have a journey to the cross. Maybe it's the cross of salvation, the cross of sacrifice, the cross of surrender, but we're all on a journey. We're about to take a 10-hour journey. Glad it's not a three-hour tour. 
So, I know I get one. Thanks, Darren. But we're all on a journey. And I, I want us to look at, at, at what Joseph was able to do and how he reacted and how he responded to God's call. Because so often, especially you know, over the last 18 to 24 months, our world has been turned upside down so many times, just like Mary and Joseph. We, we've, we've seen things we thought was gonna happen and then it didn't happen or, or things just kind of out of the blue. We, we get hit with so many things here and there and left and right. And not just for adults, but we see that all the way down through youth culture now. But I wanna just share four things with you this morning. And the first one we see is found in Matthew chapter two, verse 14. Got to go back to these. Joseph must have, I don't know, Joseph must have been sleeping really good if he can dream that well, right? How many of you, how many of you want to sleep that well? I mean, he had some awesome dreams. But, but God comes to him in a dream and says, hey, Joseph, I need you to take your newborn baby and your wife. Now, how many of you guys would have wanted to break that news to Mary? Anyone? Yeah, me neither. It's like, I can just see him. God, can you tell her with an angel, please? But he says, take your child, take your family, and go to Egypt. And look at verse 14. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night. Joseph, for Joseph, there was an immediate obedience to the call and the voice of God in his life. Do we have that? Are we ready to, to obey immediately to the voice of God when he calls? Are we prepared for that? You see, the, you remember the rich young ruler? When, when, when Jesus said, follow me, he's like, okay, but I, I have to get, let me do some other things. He wasn't ready to listen and to obey and to go when the voice said, go. Amen. How ready are you? Now, let's, let's just step back for a moment, think about this. So Mary and Joseph were kind of rewinding a few months or, or a, few, a, a week or so. Mary and Joseph had to leave where? They had to come to Bethlehem from their home. So how many of you, when you're traveling, you're thinking, I'm gonna be gone three, four, five days. You pack for the time you're gone, right? Yes. Do you think they were ready to go to Egypt? They didn't bring anything to move. Not, not to go on a trip, but to move. They were only expecting to be there a few days and then go back home. And so often, we're like that. Okay, God, I'll do this one thing, but then I want to go back home home. I want to go back to my comfort zone. I want to go back to where I feel comfortable, where I know everything, where, where I'm safe and I, you know what, I'm kind of an important person. That's where I like to be. And maybe that's not where God is going to journey you this year or next year. They had family back in Nazareth. They didn't even get to say goodbye. All of their stuff, their house, their clothes, their you know, I would say pictures, but they probably didn't have any. I don't know if they did. They had, they could draw. 
You wouldn't want my drawings. I can't even do stick figures. Are we ready to obey immediately? In the middle of the night, God said, move. And you know what? Joseph didn't go, okay, well, but what, God, what if we do this instead? Anyone ever do that? God, but. There's a lot of those around. He didn't ask God for plan B. He didn't try to figure it out. He didn't try to argue or, or, or barter. He said, okay. Are you ready to say okay? With all that's transpired in the last two years, are you still tuned in to the voice of God? With all the clutter, with all the noise, with everything that has been bombarded at us, are you still tuned in to hear the voice of God? And you're thinking, oh man, if he would come to me in a dream, that'd be great. If he would send me an email, that would be even better. <laughs> Some instructions maybe, a list. But he has, hasn't he? He sent us the greatest letter of all. And he, I love that last song we sang. He walks through the fire beside us. Beside us. And I'm just totally channeling my VeggieTales days. But anyway, beside us. Are you ready to obey immediately? Are you listening and obey? Verse 11, we kind of go back. We see the second thing. And this is why I read this like, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother and they gave him three gifts. They worshiped him. They brought, his, they brought the gifts of worship. I don't know if they had prepared ahead of time. If they, hey, you know, we know we're following the star. Um, and so we're going to bring gifts to where, or, or if that's just what they had. I, I don't know. I saw, I read things on either side of that. But wherever you are, wherever you go, what is the gift that you bring to worship Jesus? And it may, it may change. It may be different. But you see, God brings an opportune provision in your life for you to do things, for you to be obedient immediately. He didn't provide furniture. He didn't provide any of that. But when God calls, when God says, hey, I want you to go, guess what else he does? He provides for you to go. Now, it may not be what you want. It may not be what you're comfortable with. It may not be the way you would have done it. But he provides when he calls. He didn't say, okay, Joseph, I want you to take Mary and Jesus and I want you to go to Egypt. Good luck, you're on your own. He walks in the fire beside us. Would they have enough money to get to Egypt? Would they have enough uh, to, to, to find a place to live and to, to uh, you know, to be able to, to live off and, and to buy bread and to, to do all those things until Joseph found a job. Would he be able to find a job in Egypt? How cool are the gifts, right? If, if, if I came to my tree yesterday and I had a box of gold under there, I wouldn't complain, Amen. right? Think of it, gold was valuable. It was currency. 
It's like, okay, here you go. I'm going to give you a bank account. Full bank account. Frankincense was a prized fragrance. It was expensive. They could use it to trade. There was value in that. But it was also used in worship. It was used in medicines. And myrrh was, was, was extremely valuable fragrance which also could have been traded and, and it had everyday uses. And so these gifts and where we, we laud these gifts, we, oh, gold and frankincense and myrrh, but they were super practical. God didn't just give them because he wanted to, to be extravagant to Mary and Joseph on, on, on the birth of the, the, their baby boy. God knew what he was doing. Imagine that. You don't have the gifts you have on accident. Wow, I sing okay. Well, I can kind of play. You, you are given those for a purpose. You never know what that gift that you have, that you bring to a situation, you never know when that'll be the gift that someone else needs. You see, the gifts we know through scripture, Ephesians and, so, and, and 1 Corinthians, we know the gifts aren't for me. My gifts are not for me, they're for you. Our gifts are for the body. And that's a whole nother series of sermons. But what is the gift that you bring, who you bring it to, when you bring it to them, are you willing to give it? Are you willing to share it? That's what, the, that's what the wise men did. Because there was a divine opportunity, an opportunity that God had given to provide for Mary and Joseph. Philippians chapter four, verse 19, reminds us that my God will meet or supply all your needs. And I love the the last part of that verse is the most, to me, is awesome. Does anyone remember what it is? According to his riches. I'm glad it's not according to my bank account. Right? I'm glad it's not according to how righteous I am or how good I've been. It's according to his glory and to his righteousness and to his grace. Supply. And some of you are asking, well, I, I, don't, I don't seem to have all the things that I, all the gifts that I need to do what I want to do. Well, maybe you're not supposed to do that. Are you doing what God wants you to do? Or are you doing what you want to do with the gifts God's given you? See, Joseph said, yes, Lord, I will do what you're asking me to do. And I will receive these gifts that you are providing to do that thing. He's given us what we need to do the things he wants us to do. And if we don't have it, maybe we shouldn't be doing it. So he was immediately obedient. There was an opportunity for provision from God, for, for a divine provision. But this next one I want us to see is this not, not something we typically Share is part of our Christmas story, right? Let's look at verse 13. 
When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, take the child and the mother and, es and escape. It's not just, hey, you know what? Can you go on another journey for me? Escape. Get, get out. That's my, that's my best scary voice. I'm sorry, it didn't work. You know. Get out. You know, something like that, the better. <clears throat> now I need water. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Hey, a lot of babies died. Merry Christmas. There is deadly resistance in this world. We love, we love the story of Christmas because there's hope and joy. And, and for, for just a moment, sometimes we, we choose not to remember that your enemy is looking to kill you spiritually. He is after you and he's not stopping even for the birth of Messiah. Even when God births something in you, a vision, a, something new, a new gift, whatever it is, the enemy doesn't stop looking for you. He doesn't stop seeking you out. There is a deadly resistance. Herod was not a good God. We don't know that. He was awful. Caesar Augustus was quoted of Herod saying, Pigs were protected by law, but Herod's family members weren't. It'd be better to be a pig than be a family member of Herod. Rousing endorsement. He killed two of his own sons. He killed one of his ten wives. Supposedly that was his favorite one. I don't know why. He killed his 18-year-old brother-in-law. He killed his grandfather, he, his wife's 80-year-old uncle. He killed his own uncle and mother-in-law. So what were just a few more babies? Our enemy, our enemy has no mercy for you. Our enemy will not hold back against you. Are you escaping into the will of God? Because that's where Mary and Joseph are going. They weren't going to Egypt. They were going into the will of God where God was wanting them because there was a deadly resistance that they had to face. We, we, talk, we see the, the words Rachel and, and Ramah and th those are two areas and basically, you know, so he, if you take Jerusalem five miles to the north, five miles to the south and draw a circle, that everyone within that 10 mile circle, he said kill everyone in that 10 mile circle. Folks, Never underestimate the veracity and the brutality of our enemy. That's a hard part of the Christmas story, isn't it? But it's one we need to remember. It's one we must remember. First Peter chapter five, verse eight says, "Be on alert. Be sober-minded." Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion for someone to devour. Our enemy is no joke. Spiritual warfare is no joke. And you and I are in it. If we claim Jesus, if we worship Jesus, we've declared our side. And our enemy is no joke. Are we ready to obey immediately? Are we ready 
and to, to, to receive and to give in an opportunity of divine provision? Do we understand the deadly resistance that the enemy is going to give to us, is going to chase us down? Because he wants us to stop. He wants to stop us from knowing Jesus, from serving Jesus, and from sharing Jesus. And most likely from becoming like Jesus. But I love verse 15. Look with me there. And so was fulfilled. Underline those words. Because they're in this passage a few times, isn't it? And so was fulfilled. And so was fulfilled. Like the prophet said, there is a divine plan. Amen? There is a divine plan. How awesome is it that, you know what, God really does know what he's doing. And I love that he, he, he kind of reminds us that in these little stories that often we forget to read. He reminds us that, guys, I know what I'm doing. Please trust me. I don't know what Joseph's relationship and, and, and his worship was like with God, but the fact that, that he chose Mary, but also chose Joseph to be the family that would raise Jesus tells me a little bit about him. And we see how he responds to the will of God. Yes, Lord, I'm listening. Your servant is listening. But it's been his plan all along. We read that in Hosea verse, chapter 11, verse 1. Just like 1,500 years prior under Moses, God would bring salvation from Egypt. But Mary and Joseph wouldn't be alone in Egypt. By this time, Egypt was mostly under Roman rule. And that meant that a lot of people had escaped Herod and gone to Egypt. So there was other Jews. There were other Israelites there. And so there would have been, um, there would have been uh, 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 towns and villages. There would have been temples and synagogues for them to worship and, and to be part of community. You see, when God moves us, he may move us from one community, but he doesn't put us out in the desert. He moves us to another community. It's been interesting to hear some of the really cool stories that have been coming out of our discipling communities over the last few months. I've just heard a couple, but man, it is so neat to see what God's doing and how God's working and how God's moving people from one community to another and just, it's just growing the land that had once enslaved the Jews, God was now using to protect them. <laughs> I love it. In verse 19, we see that Herod finally dies. Not long after Mary and Joseph go to Egypt, but he finally dies. And, and, and being the great guy that he was, knowing that his death would not be mourned at all in Egypt, or in, in, uh, in, in, in Israel, he took... All the Jewish nobility. And he brought them to a place called the Hippodrome. And gave orders that when he died, everyone in there were to be slaughtered. Because he wanted people to mourn at his death. Not for his death, but at his death. Our enemy has no mercy for us, folks. But God has a divine plan. 
God has a divine plan. Verse 20, we read this. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord came in a dream. Man, Joseph has cool dreams. Get up and take the child and his mother and go back to Israel. For those who are trying to kill you to take the child's life are dead. Joseph has another dream. Again, <laughs> I bet Mary is tired of his dreams. But he responds immediately. And so he arose, no questions asked, verse 21. So he got up and he took the child and his mother and went back to the land of Israel. But Herod's son was on the throne. And so guess what? He had another dream. Boy takes too many naps. He had another dream to go another way. Archelaus was not any better than Herod. There was a riot in Jerusalem and the way that Archelaus uh, stopped the riot is he just simply killed everybody. Everyone in the crowd, he just killed them all. He was not a nice person either. But there's a divine plan. And we see this in these, in these last few passages. So God brought them back to Israel. God moved them around Archelaus. And he moved them into Nazareth. Why? Because it would be fulfilled through the prophets. Fulfilled through the word of God. Isaiah chapter 11 verse 1. Isaiah 53 verses 2 through 3. No one ever heard of Nazareth. If you've watched the, the series The Chosen, they even have that line in there a few times. Anything good come from Nazareth? It was, it was a nothing town. It was by crossroads, but, but it really, it was, it was most famous for not being famous. You're like, oh, I wish that was me. <laughs> Just don't want anyone to know me. It's not far, but that is where Jesus was to be raised. Outside of the realm of the hot politics and, and, and prosperity and notoriety of the day, but you kind of have to really read through that. And the plan comes in pieces. It's not like, here's the plan. It's not like our GPS when we get in there, right? We can scroll through and see all the turns. God just gives you one turn at a time. One turn at a time. One turn at a time. Will you, will you trust it? When I, uh, when I was living in, in Pittsburgh, I had a friend of mine who, fl who flew for, uh, for Stat Medevac. And we got a call one time. It was the coolest ride-along ever. Um, only time I've ever been in a helicopter. We had a ride-along one time, and it was a two-car two -car crash, um, and they had gone down um, into a ravine. And if you know Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh is really super hilly, and the roads are just not good, even on a good day. And so um, car number one uh, lost, you know, didn't, didn't realize the turn, went up and went over. Car number two not being real familiar with Pittsburgh was simply just following car number one and just drove following them right over the cliff. Luckily, no one was killed. A couple people were banged up pretty good. But I just laugh. I said, how, how many Christians do that? 
How many of us are just following the next thing instead of God's divine plan? God, God's plan may have you in a place that you don't want to be. It may have you in a place that you don't seem to fit. But God has brought you there. He's placed you there. He's put you there. He's gifted you there and planted you there. The question is, isn't do I need to be there? If you believe God's put you there, then you ask, what do I need to be doing here? What are my roots looking like? How am I, how am I flourishing? How am I sharing the gifts with those around me? How am I going to be obedient? Do I hear him? Am I listening? Am I preemptively ready to obey no matter what he asks me to do? Am I open for the opportunities that God will give me to receive but also to give of my gifts? Time, talents, energy, words of encouragement, a hug, time spent just sitting with somebody. There's so many things a hurting world needs that often we forget to see. Do I need to be wary and alert more so than I have been for the deadly resistance that's coming my way? Well, I remember that God has a divine plan for the place that I'm in. God may move me at any time, but I'm here. Am I fully vested? Fully vested in what God is doing in me and in the place I'm at. When I was in college, I always thought, man, I just want to get my degree and I just want to go do ministry. I just want to get out there and do so. I just want to go. But God was doing a lot when I was there. The last thing I want us to know from Joseph, and we can see this through every one of these verses, Joseph was fully surrendered to God's voice, to his direction, and trusted him with everything. Are you? Have we fully surrendered? In a few days, we will celebrate a new year. It's just another day, right? January 1 is just another day. It's another day. It's the first day that you'll forget to write 2022 and you'll write 2021. But it's a day that we use to mark a new thing. We, we, we make, you know, all these, these declarations of I'm going to do X, Y, and Z this year. But if you haven't been doing it this year, will you really do it next year? What is it that you need to shed this year moving into next year? Maybe, maybe like Joseph, you say, God, will you help me be better ready to be obedient when you call? Maybe you need to say, Lord, will you help me listen closely, more closely to your voice? Maybe you need to be better equipped to fight the enemy and fight the spiritual battles. Maybe you need to be have a heart that, that wants to give more 
of your time and the talents be, be better able to share in the opportunity that God gives. Maybe you say, God, will you just remind me that you have a plan? I'm not a planner. I'm okay with no plan. Some of you are not. God has one. Will you trust him? Will you fully surrender to him? Think about the new year. What new thing do you want God to do in your life? We have not because we ask not. Ask him, Lord, will you do a new thing? Will you do a new thing in me? Will you show me the new thing you're doing? Father, I praise you for this opportunity to share. The opportunity that you give us Share the gifts that you've blessed us with. Lord, will you help us as we draw together? Together in community, together as the Holy Spirit fills us and empowers us, that you would help us to grow in our obedience, to grow in our generosity, to grow in our ability to fight the enemy through the power of the Spirit. Lord, will you help us to fully surrender to your plan? I pray in your holy name. Amen.